Welcome back to the Cinematography Podcast. My host, James Holly. And as always, I'm joined by a friend, film critic, producer, director, and all around good egg, Mr. Joe Hines. Hi, Joe. How are you? <laughs> uh, hi, James. Um, how are you doing? Really, I'm doing pretty well. Things are going good. Um, really looking forward to actually getting started with this show because there's like a bunch of things to talk about. We have um, uh, The Lost Daughter, which is uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's uh, debut film which is kind of nuts because it's actually a pretty like it's you know it's a pretty good like kind of movie it's not great for me but i think i think it's a pretty decent movie we got um protege which is maggie q's new action movie which sounds as good as you can possibly imagine uh I'll leave that there and then we have uh, you're gonna be talking about the matrix later matrix resurrections you got to see that movie uh i think it's about two decades in the making um or thereabouts so, so that's, that's pretty exciting and um well so we've got the tragedy of macbeth which is the, the joel cohen's new movie it's joel cohen right please yeah. tell me yeah oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't ethan cohen yeah joel cohen's uh new movie with denzel washington francis mcdormand and uh, a bunch of other characters um so yeah i'm really looking forward to digging into all that um but let's let, let's dive into the news i guess we'll start off with um chris evans is playing gene kelly the famous uh, actor director gene kelly um in a biopic um so yeah um i mean this is kind of off the back of uh tom holland he's like playing uh, fred astaire or something like that he's playing fred astaire um and then you have like rooney mara she's playing uh elizabeth taylor or no, Audrey Hepburn. Fuck it, sorry, <laughs> Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. Um, so I guess all these guys are gonna like team up. They're getting their own solo movies. And they're gonna like team up in a in like a ensemble kind of movie where like I don't know they they save the world through dance or singing and all that. I guess that's 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 what they that's what they're kind of all leading up to. That's what my lizard brain tells me. Um, but yeah, this, this is kind of interesting because. Uh, how do I put this? Uh, Chris Evans is like six foot two or three, and Gene Kelly was a uh, barely five foot seven. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's 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 a bit of a reach, literally. Um, oh well, I mean, when I first saw the news, it it the story itself, which I believe Chris Evans kind of came up with the idea of mm-hmm. this young boy who kind of finds himself on a film lot, um, and then uh, he meets an imaginary um, version. Um, I guess of Gene Kelly. Um, it kind of reminded me in a weird way of uh, the the film that Taika Waititi did, Jojo Rabbit, mm. where the kid has like an imaginary version of Hitler in his mind, which is a little bit more uh, dark and sadistic. But what caught my eye was the fact that John Logan's going to be directing it. Mm. Um, and I think you know he's just an incredible director and playwright. Um, and I think Ryan Johnson is producing it as well, um, which is you know. Again, it's like it's all good talent. I, I like I, I'm happy that Chris Evans is finding a role like this. I think you know he was great in Knives Out, but since Marvel, I don't know, there hasn't been anything since that I think has really kind of I don't know. It's I don't feel like there's there's been a role that's kind of propelled him mm. uh, to the level that I think he could be. I, I think uh, he's in, you uh, know, Snowpiercer is pretty pretty great. I'm talking like since, like oh, since, oh yeah, yeah, MCU, oh yeah, yeah. Um, again, like I thought Noizo was 
fantastic, but um, I'd really like him to, you know, get a role that, you know, he could kind of sink his teeth into and mm. maybe get a few nominations under his belt because I think he's capable of that. Okay. Um, when it comes to my Gene Kelly uh, knowledge, <laughs> it, it's not it's not that um, I, I'm I'm no expert. Uh, I'll put it to you like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see like what they do with this movie and how it looks. I, I kind of like you know movies about Hollywood, mm. and I think the idea of a kid just being on a film lot and making up like an imaginary Gene Kelly, I think that's I think it's a kind of a cute little idea, and um, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with it. Yeah, I mean, like, it depends on what kind of era Gene Kelly they're going for. You know, did they go for kind of the guy, like the leading man, Gene Kelly, like the guy in his like 20s, 30s? Or did they, I'd imagine they go for that one. That's kind of a more kind of attractive prospect. Uh, or is he just like uh, Gene Kelly in a younger body, but like he has like the attributes of Gene Kelly from every era. I don't really know. It's kind of like, I mean, we're going to have to find out more as, as, as the story develops, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's been kind of a debate going on. Is, 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 is Gene Kelly too attractive for Chris Evans to play? And I, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like that's kind of a fucking nothing discussion. I feel like Chris Evans is a, you know, in a, and I'm a totally heterosexual man, just, you know, like I'm just observing and I, I don't know. I don't think Gene Kelly is all that. I think he's like a solid, like seven out of 10, if I'm being honest, <laughs> I don't know if that's, if that's a controversial sure. opinion. Um, I don't know. He just looks like, I think mean, he's a good looking guy, you know, in like a kind of Jean Dujardin kind of way. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of fair to say. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, Joe? <laughs> I mean, I think, like, again, I, I don't think that they're, like, identical, but I, I don't think that they're that dissimilar. And with a bit of, like, yeah. makeup and, and hair done, like, he, he wouldn't be that dissimilar. I think the whole thing of, like, oh, he's not good-looking enough, like, mm. it's Chris Evans. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I ever would have thought I'd hear that. But, mm. look, I mean, people are weird, man. There's, like, this, um, what do they call them, fan, uh, fan cams? On Twitter, is that is that the name? You know those um fucking the really cheesy corny yeah. edits that are like yeah. it's like any it's like anything you like click on on Twitter like any story and it's like in the comment section and it's like uh, there's like some <laughs> fucking uh, montage of fucking Tom Hiddleston like eating a burger or some shit like that I don't know <laughs> That's... yeah with Liz, with like Lizzo music playing with Lizzo music and it's yeah. like slowed and reverb as well um, <laughs> it's like all this shit and it's like you know and and there's this one of Gene Kelly and it's like God there's like really like a fucking uh, fan cam montage for everyone like there was one of Gene Kelly and he's like he's like um, kissing someone. And like he he has a fag in his mouth, but he swallows the fag, kisses her, and then like the fag comes out of his mouth again. And I was like, that's fucking manky. Like that's disgusting. <laughs> was it like, it? Yeah, it was like oh, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Like if I tried that, like if I try that with someone, like there would be a massive hole in my in my cheek. You know, you know, why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, spreading the lung cancer. Yeah. Um, you know, but look. Um, different strokes for different folks. Um, there's actually a thing. There was like a there was like a thing there that uh, people obsessed with celebrities uh, like lower intelligence, and ironically enough, it was like the New York Post that was uh, reporting that. So 
I guess it's kind of like calling yourself an idiot. Uh, I don't really know. But um, yeah, anyway, uh, the Gene Kelly movie, whatever whatever it's called, my my friend Gene, uh, Gene Kelly. <laughs> that, that's that's a good name. That's a good name for a title. My friend Gene, my friend Gene Kelly, yeah. Um, <laughs> there you go. Uh, Jodie Comer is in the Napoleon movie. Um, kit bag anymore terrible title i think that's an awful title i don't what's yeah. even what's that even about like what why is it called kit bag i thought it was a working title initially and i was like oh okay that's that's the that's the name of the movie yeah it's um i don't know what it refers to but it, it just i know if like if you're making a movie about napoleon i, I felt like there would be like a more kind of grand title mm-hmm. like you know gladiator another really Scott movie like that's a good name because it's like gladiator it's you know yeah it's and it makes sense like i'm sure kitbag has some meaning but it just sounds like i don't know it just sounds like a satchel that like a plumber would have mm. you know what i mean like it it doesn't sound like um it doesn't sound like an epic that from ridley scott um but yeah uh kind of sad that um jodie comer left this movie because that she was fantastic in the last jewel, um, and I, I I I presume as well it was due to a scheduling conflict. So I'm sure she's quite upset about it. You know, mm-hmm. not being in a really Scott movie with Joaquin Phoenix that must be a big hit. Um, but to be fair, they have a fantastic replacement. You know, Vanessa Kirby. She was in one of my favorite movies last year, um, which I love. Film. Um. And I think, yeah, I think she'll be, you know, I think she'll do a great job in this film without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just interested to see, like, the scale of this movie. Like, is it going to be, you know, because, like, The Last Jewel, it, it's, you know, there was battle scenes, but it was very, like, it was a very kind of condensed movie. It was very kind of, yeah, it was, like, very to the point, you know? Yeah. It didn't it didn't dwell on, like, the politics of France, um, you know, um even a movie like um, The House of Gucci, which, I mean, that movie, I think, is more epic in terms of its scale and um, I suppose the effect that these characters have on, like, fashion and stuff like that. And um, it's a very large movie, of course, but I'd be interested to see, like, the scale of this movie um, and where it'll go. Um, what do you make of the, the recasting? Uh, I mean, look, uh, I think we're... I, I mentioned just before we started recording, I was like, this story broke. And then like three hours afterwards, Vanessa Kirby was uh, cast as, um, what's her name? Is it Josephine? Is that the name of uh, the character? Uh, Napoleon's wife? I think that's... Yeah, it's, yeah. Josephine. Yeah. Um, as for the casting itself, I think that... The, the thing is about like Napoleon... Right, uh, he was kind of famous for having married an older woman. So Josephine is actually older than Napoleon, um, and Joaquin Phoenix is um, uh, how old is he? About 46, 47? I think he, Napoleon was about that age when he had when he had died. Um, so you know, I feel like it would be uh, like way more interesting if they cast someone that was uh, closer to Joaquin Phoenix's age or older. That would make more sense to me. Mm. Um, you know, but then again, you know, oh look, Joaquin Phoenix isn't French. Uh, who fucking cares? If if anyone saw House of Gucci or even The Last Duel or Exodus Gods and Kings, Joaquin or um Ridley Scott doesn't give a shit about ethnicity <laughs> or authenticity at all, really. Um, but look, I I I think I think this movie would be fun. I agree with you. I think it's gonna be 
like a pretty pretty big movie like uh maybe on the scale of like um kingdom of heaven um something like that oh. one, one of his bigger movies um but uh yeah really looking, really looking forward to uh seeing how this one goes and hopefully it's a good one um i mean both like both of these movies that came out in 2021 were good like obviously the last duel was for me way better than gucci but gucci had its charm you know it was like it was a solid solid enough movie it, it was fun um but um yeah um can't wait to see that i mean i was just gonna finish up with like i i really hope that this movie is like a proper epic mm. um, i feel like it's been a while since we've seen one of those mm. and if there's anyone who can put it off we know it's it's really scott um yeah, I just think, I know we've discussed him before, I just think he's a fascinating director, you know, at this age. And um, in, a, in a similar way to, like, Scorsese, instead of, like, slowing down and his movie's kind of, like, you know, also kind of, you know, being like that, I feel like he's just kind of sped up and, like, his movies have just taken on a whole new, like, level of just madness that I hope, you know, kept by kind of continues and I hope, like, it's a huge epic that's just, you know, I don't think this will be a comedy, but um, man, the last jewel and well, I didn't think last jewel would be as funny as it was either, considering the subject matter. But um, that movie was funny as fuck. It was uh, yeah. all things to get after. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was great. Even like Matt Damon, the fact that he was just this big fucking meathead as well it was funny. Like in yeah. the like that whole that whole movie structure where the the Rashomon kind of structure where you're where you're seeing. Adam Driver's uh, perspective of um, Matt Damon's character. He's just this big fucking bumbling idiot. And then that contrasts with the, with the former perspective where he's like this like heroic figure to himself. Uh, that, that's hilarious in itself. So uh, yeah. And, and like a really like pretty hard hitting drama. My, my uh, parents are watching it there. Um, I think, I think it was probably last week that, and my dad was, uh, the same way I was when I was watching in the cinema, just watching that that final um, battle, that the, the, final, the last duel in the last duel, uh, like he was just so nervous. And I had, uh, and when I saw the movie, I knew who was going to win. I'm not going to say who was going to win, just in case anyone doesn't know, but he didn't know who was going to win um, that duel, and that made that like enhanced the experience for him. But mm. like that's that's like one. I mean, we're going to be talking about uh, like our favorite things from uh, last year in, in another episode, but that is like uh, maybe one of the like top three best endings of last year. Like, it, it's definitely one that it's definitely one of the greatest fight scenes I've seen in a movie ever. Like, it was, it was, it was great. I don't know if that if it if it did that for you, Joe. Um, am I am I just? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was completely enthralling. I mean. You know, it kind of reminded me of like the first time I watched Creed. You know, that mm-hmm. final fight where you're just like, you again don't know who. When I wasn't, um, I hadn't done too much research into the story, so I didn't know who was going to win. Um, and yeah, just the choreography of the fight was just brutal and just, mm-hmm. you know, it was two humans that it wasn't. It didn't seem like it was a staged fight or like a choreographed fight. Yeah, it was just yeah. two people mm-hmm. who were trying to cut the heads off one another, and mm-hmm. it was fucking brilliant. Um, yeah, the entire sequence is just amazing, and does this really great thing of like, and you don't see this all the time. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned this point or it was someone else I heard. I heard 
bring it up, but like uh, you, you get to see the fatigue in both the characters as the fight progresses. Um, mm. And it's sort of really like realistically. Um, and and, and um, I mean, and this is the only time you're ever going to hear anyone uh, <laughs> compare the last duel of Pacific Rim. But the one, the main one, like my favorite things about Pacific Rim is like how slow like the Jaegers and the and the kaiju are when they're fighting. Like every fucking punch, mm. every movement counts. And like uh, uh, another thing about Pacific Rim is, is like it's not afraid to like absolutely like brutalize like the the hero characters as well. The first one, I haven't seen the second one. It's kind of a movie I, I I've, I've, I've I've like avoided. Um, mm. I hear it's pretty bad. But um, yeah, like that's just I, I love that aspect of it. I'd, lo- I'd love if uh, movies did that more. But I do like kind of this uh, hyper, like violent, um, high speed kind of fight choreography that you see in stuff like uh, the John Wick movies or something like Daredevil. That that's great and all. But like to have this, it just feels oh, just just does something to me, you know? Um, yeah. It's right. it's that whole thing as well, you know, when you're in that like medieval armor, mm. um, and like the, a, a movie that I actually really enjoyed was The King with Timothy Chalamet, mm. and it does a similar thing where you know that movie you see like the tiredness and fatigue and the difficulty of fighting in armor like that, um, yeah, that entire sequence towards the end of the last duel was just yeah, as you as you were saying, like it's good to see like fatigue, mm. um, in the actors when they're fighting, it's mm. more realistic. I know they tried to do that. Even in like modern action films like Atomic Blonde, mm. there's that corner where they tried to like show like fatigue, but let's be honest, like you know, with action movies like that, there's only so much fatigue you can show before yeah. you know <laughs> the characters just fall asleep. Mm. Um but yeah. Mm, absolutely. Um but yeah, uh look forward to Kitbag anyway. I know I I kind of uh, I led this away from 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 Robert Napoleon, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's hard to know if it'll like get kind of if it's like an awards movie or not. I don't think it. I don't know. Do you think? Do you think the Last Duel or um, House of Gucci will get any like awards, Oscars at the Oscars? Um, I like. I think. I think like hair and makeup, maybe. Hmm. But I just think the performances in the House of Gucci for me are borderline comedic as opposed to dramatic, which is hmm. what I wanted. Like I wanted like a really good um, like retelling of that whole situation. The Last Jewel, I think, is um, it's unfortunate because I think Jodie Comer like gives a fucking great performance in that movie. Yeah. But again, it's overshadowed by just like. I, w- I don't even want to call it like hammy performances, but it's just like you can tell Ben Affleck showed up on set and was just like, let's have a bit of crack today, no lads. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and what lines do you have for me today? Yeah. But, and, and again, like it worked. I laughed in, in the movies, but I just, th- I just think um, the Oscars won't look on it as kindly. And I think when you're looking at performances from movies, I think there's a tendency to look at a movie as kind of like a package deal. Like if you're, if you're going to nominate like a best actor from something, then there has to be other nominations for that movie. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think House of Gucci or The Last Jewel have those kinds of legs. Mm. I don't think either of them will get nominated for best picture. They shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I'd agree with you. Costume design, definitely. For both movies. I think I think they're they're uh, really good makeup, all that. Um yeah, I don't know. Like Ben Affleck is having such a fucking right in that movie. It's so funny. Like him and his fucking Calvita hair and his, you know, <laughs> oh, take your pants off. And all like he's just a big horny bastard. And I love every second that he's on screen. Like even like at uh, I don't want to spoil the movie, even at the end, like he's good. Like it's just kind of it's it's kind of funny mm-hmm. watching him. But um, yeah, every, like everyone is entertaining in that movie, uh, even though like it's not. Yeah, I I'd agree with you. Like Jodie Comer is the closest one to um, probably getting an Oscar. Um, even, but I don't think she'll probably get one, even a nomination. <laughs> so James, yes, um, yes, Joe, DCE. <laughs> Like every fucking week, has a huge major shakeup that just stirs the pot, mm. um, and gets all the Snyder fanboys and fangirls, um, in a bit of a knot. And uh, this week, it was kind of, it was kind of big. There was a tweet that was released from uh, Grace Randolph from Beyond the Trailer. Lovely woman. She, she. Here's the thing, right? Every time I look at her Twitter, I get a little bit anxious because a lot of the stuff that she has reported has come true mm. now a lot that she has reported as well has been completing other bollocks but mm. she tweeted out that apparently the flash movie is going to completely recon a lot of snyder's films and uh keaton is going to be like the new batman and is going to mentor um leslie grace's batgirl to be like a part of the trinity um or the new trinity so henry cavill ben affleck they won't be uh they won't be in this DCEU as we know it anymore. Um, the Flash movie is also going to be introducing uh, Sasha Kelly as Supergirl. Um, and she's going to be like the new super, the new Kryptonian, I guess, Superman. Yeah, yeah. The Superman equivalent, um, yeah. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> a lot of people are kind of seeing this as being kind of the death of like Zack Snyder's, you know, DC vision. Um, I I kind of have a, an interesting take on it, but I want I wanted to hear your thoughts on it first, James, and what you thought of this, and and especially like you know Warner Media's kind of um like I'll be honest, with you, I was always kind of on the side of like ah they don't hate Zach, they just you know they just have kind of like different views, but like this seems like <laughs> yeah <laughs> going for the juggler yeah this is quite um, it's quite vicious it's quite uh. Um, yeah, so like what do what's your whole take on it? Um, well, I, I think I think me and DC, the DC executives would get on like a house on fire and we both kind of detest the guy at uh, this films, <laughs> this approach to filmmaking. Um I, like, I, but I still don't think that this is the, the 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 optimal approach. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna delete um I mean like ninety percent of what they've done with the DCU, just you might as well just go the full hundred percent, like burn, like burn it all, just get rid of it all. It's it's really not worth having. Um, I mean people, I mean Shazam is kind of did well with critics, uh, did but it only kind of did okay at the box office. Aquaman did. it did it was kind of a mixed bag of critics and that's kind of putting us the, the you know in the most generous way i can uh the first wonder woman wonder woman was critically acclaimed did really well at the box office 
I got like 700, 800 million worldwide. And then the the second Wonder Woman movie is a pile of dog shit. Uh, you know, and I think just get rid of it all, really. Um, start from scratch. Because what happens when you just get rid of it all is like, yeah, you're going to piss off the Snyder guys. But like, you're not just, if you get rid of just the Snyder stuff and you like keep everything else, you're you're going to have those guys on your back anyway. If you just get rid of it all, it doesn't seem as biased as it is. Um, but yeah, um, I think I think just kind of uh, start again, and they have Batman and Matt, Matt Reeves as Batman sorted. I get someone to kind of spearhead Superman, and we get, actually get like a, a decent Superman movie for once. Like I'm not like the Christopher Reeve movies. The first two are okay. I, I think Christopher Reeve is really good at Superman. It's iconic. I have no problem saying it's iconic. It's just like those movies don't do a massive amount for me personally. I don't think they're excellent movies at all. That 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 might kind of piss off a few people, but I, I, I don't think it's like the definitive take on Superman. It's hilarious and not in a funny way that the, the oldest superhero, uh, probably the oldest superhero in the world, hasn't had like a definitive adaptation uh, from book to screen um which is unfortunate so i'd i really like if if someone with um a a love a passion for that character and a and a great knowledge and a great insight into why people uh have loved that character uh was on board um i know that jj abrams is doing something over there uh, possibly i don't know if he's the guy necessarily i've kind of i've really lost kind of all faith in in him since the rise of Skywalker, um, I, I don't. I honestly don't know who who you'd pick. I know Christopher McQuarrie is a big uh, Superman fan, and he's a great filmmaker. He hasn't really put a full wrong for me. Uh, I think like the way of the gun is like probably um, like the movie that's probably his his weakest that I've seen, but it has its fans. You know, I, I think it's personally okay. Um, so maybe someone like McQuarrie or Brad Bird. I think Brad Bird would be fucking excellent he knows exactly like he's a he's a massive fan of those of those uh fletcher uh cartoons that kind of propelled superman into the mainstream uh that would be like a really i think that'd be a really good choice um but yeah just have have like these uh auteur filmmakers for lack of a better word um take these iconic superheroes so you have batman sorted superman you get someone like brad bird to do those uh start from scratch with wonder woman i think um I, I really i think that what happened with the first one was only a success because patty jenkins didn't write the first wonder woman movie i think jeff was it jeff johns uh wrote, wrote the majority of that script uh, i know he's kind of a, a piece of shit but at least the movie was decent um and then she wrote the second one and you see what happens there so i think to start again with all these characters that's basically all i'm saying um but i'm glad all the cider stuff is gone it just to get to your point or to get to your question, Joe, I think that's, that's great. I hate all those movies. I think they're awful. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just get rid of them all. That's what I say. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I think I'm kind of like, like, I don't, I don't love the kind of the Zack Snyder vision for the DC EU. Mm-hmm. I never really have since Batman versus Superman and Suicide Squad and it's always kind of been a bad taste in my mouth with that take on these characters. Um, you know, when it comes to like D- 
like Zack Snyder's vision and his like take on these characters like completely just like disappearing from existence uh, by this Flash movie I, I actually think that's bullshit like I don't think that's going to be the case whatsoever mm. I don't think DC would have the balls to do that I think that Aquaman is going to stay in the Justice League um, his movie was way too successful for yeah. them not to make a second uh, film uh, how that'll perform God knows I didn't think that the first movie would do well but here we are um, the Suicide Squad as bad as it was, it was good enough to where they wanted as well. Um, I actually think, and I'm not, I'm not one of these like oh restore the Snyderverse people. Like again, I, I like Zack Snyder. I think he's made some good movies, but I just haven't loved his. I just haven't loved his comic book work. Like I hate his Watchmen film. I think I, I like Man of Steel, but I think Batman versus Superman is just uh, an atrocious film. Mm. Um. I actually think that he will get to make his second Justice League film. And the reason why is because of Discovery's accusation or when they bought War Media. I think that there's such a big movement behind it. I just can't see it not happening. Um, mm. I think there will be an announcement, maybe not this year, but I think it will happen. Do you think so? Um, which, I, again, I think so. I think so. Again, like, you know... I, I really thought like the Snyder cut, I thought it would never happen. I was like, there's no chance that they're going to spend like obscene mm. amount of money on the CGI. But I do think now there's such like, um, and I think that they're, they're going to start experiences with, you know, the flash movie with a second aqua with Amber Heard, um, with, you know, the rest of the, you know, Batgirl and, um, as I said, this new Trinity that they're bringing out, I think that they're going to see such a vitriol and hate from that that they're going to have to course correct. And I think that they will try to appease those fans as well. Mm. Um, that being said, though, I've seen a lot of hate kind of thrown at um, the actresses who are playing these characters that haven't even been on screen yet, which I think mm. is just madness. Yeah. Like, for all we know, Leslie Grace could be the best bat, bat hero that we've ever seen. Yeah, she um, seems to be the only such Kelly could be. She seems to be the only one that wants to be there, <laughs> certainly. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, yeah, again, like, you know, this happens a lot in the, the DC comics where there's just this big, huge kind of like reboot mm. um, of like the DC universe, like the new 52 or Crisis or, um, you know, stuff like that. And I think, you know, the time now is, I think, perfect for it. And I'm excited to see, like, I had no interest in this movie. I just didn't care. Um, but I'm excited to see, like, where they go with it. Um, yeah, I, as I said, like, you know, you and I have talked for fucking hours about this, about, <laughs> yeah. like, DC and the problem. Yeah. To the point where it's, like, it's almost as if we're kind of going mad. Mm. But um, I'm kind of excited that they're trying to do a course correction. And again, like, we haven't seen the Batgirl movie. We haven't seen this Flash movie. They could be great movies. Um, and I think, you know, again, if I was the Benton man, I wouldn't put too much money on it, but I think that there will be a second Justice League movie from okay. Snyder. But yeah, I think it's time to kind of just like let it lie and just like let Warner Media do what they want with DC and just kind of get on with it. Because again, like my take on it has always been, you know, the cinematic universe kind of MCU copycat that they've tried to do just hasn't worked 
um, they haven't taken the time like Marvel did. And now they have this opportunity to do like these, like the Batman, you know, these good movies attach good talent. I'm kind of, the, I'm, I'm part of the um, belief that I think Matthew Vaughn should do the next Superman movie. Okay. He's talked about his love for the character. Hmm. I think he would have a really interesting take on it. Um, I just love the way how he shoots action. And I think that that would look really interesting with Superman. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say as opposed to just like, yeah, you know, if, again, if you're like a fan of Zack Snyder, I don't think it's, I don't think all hope is lost, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I wouldn't hold your breath either. Um, try to enjoy, like, again, like people who said that, the, you know, the suicide squad wasn't as good as suicide squad. It's like they're lying to themselves. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen that much, but just because of the fact that David Ayer didn't get his, you know, his kind of take on that movie, his soulful um, drama, his cut, people were like, <laughs> "It's just, oh, it's 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 mind-boggling, like how someone could say that that movie it was better than James Gunn's Gunn's yeah. film." Yeah. It's just like, oh, anyways. There, there's demented people on the internet. There's, it kind of brings me. It kind of brings me on to another thing that's been kind of bothering me. Um, and you know, it's creepy and Spider-Man fan now at the moment, but it's. Uh, I'm actually going to get into spoilery kind of territory here for like a few minutes. Uh, with regards to Spider-Man: uh, No Way Home. So, if you if you haven't seen that, you know, go away. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about it. All right, so. There's all these campaigns about Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire like returning. So for Amazing Spider-Man three and Spider-Man four respectively, I think that's a really fucking t- like bad idea. Financially, it's a great idea if you want to make money, but if you care about art and you care about like art, you know, if you care about like Spider-Man, like giving Tom Holland Spider-Man like an actual shot, like just focus on him. I think it's like really actually disrespectful um, towards. Um, his iteration of the character, quite frankly, I think that guy. I think, I think it would just be really unfair just to have three like Peter Parkers that are, ah, they're they're all like they're pretty similar. They're like they're all based on the on the six one six version of Spider Man. Like you have three versions of, the, of that Spider Man of that version of Spider Man on screen. It's kind of like it's just too much. Like it just like stop like please Andrew Garfield is doing fucking excellent work he's like he's it's only a matter of time before he wins his Oscar that's that's how I look at it you know he's a really good actor um I think that if he cares about like you know like his 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 craft and stuff like he just won't do it but he likes money like like the rest of us so who knows um I, I just, I really just don't want to see those guys again. I, and I love, uh, I mean, I love the Tobey Maguire movies. I really am indifferent towards the Andrew Garfield movies, but I feel like I'm, I'm not biased when, when I, you know, when I sit, when I proclaim that I'm like a massive, like fan of the Tobey Maguire movies, even three has like a certain charm to it. Like, you know, even though it's not a great movie, but like, like really there's like people just need to like stop like campaigning for these movies and like just, let by let bygones be bygones and just fucking move on. Really and truly, I've had enough. <laughs> I don't want this anymore. In these in these fucking hashtags of like restore the fucking web verse or the Raimi verse or any of that shit. I really don't care. 
Like, can we just like start campaigns for like good movies, like sequels to fucking great movies, like The Nice Guys or like a Kiss Kiss Bang Bang sequel or some like something like that? Can we get something like that going? Like that's that would make me happy. That that would restore the nice guys. Yeah, restore the nice guys universe. Like something that would actually make the world like a like a better place to live in. You know, Um, I don't know. How do you feel about that, Joe? It's just been kind of bothering me the last few days. Like anytime you go onto Twitter, and like it's nice to kind of revel in nostalgia, but it's really bothering me that like and like you know, and I I I, you know I, I like the MCU Spider Man. I just I just think it's unfair. To have him kind of overshadowed by these guys, I just, I just think like it's his time now. Just let him, let him have, let him have like a nice peaceful tenure where he's the only Spider-Man swinging around. That's that's kind of all I want, really. How do you feel about it? Um, I'm kind of with you on the Tobey Maguire aspect of Spider-Man. Like, I don't think there needs to be a fourth movie. Um, that trilogy is done. It's like there's no need. Um. When it comes to Andrew Garfield, I think there's a place for him, uh, like with the Venom movies and with Morbius, if they wanted to. But I, I don't see really value in making an Amazing Spider-Man three. Um, like I just think, as you were saying, like again, I think it would make a nice wad of cash. But like, I, I, it's it's not something personally I'd have any interest in. I would like to see him show up in, as I said, those Venom movies, um, or Morbius. I think that there's there's been kind of some hints within the trailers, um, you know, kind of like mm. with like the Oscorp building. I think there was a poster in the background. Mm. So if they want to do something like that, I think there would be an opportunity. Um, what you were saying about um, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, I, I'm like, I, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with him in the future. Like, I do think that they're going to try and go for like, I know the whole thing is like, oh, let's do trilogies. I think that they are going to try and do a college trilogy, mm. but it's it's like how much like, and it's the whole thing with like the symbiote suit and stuff like that. It's like we've seen that before. Like, how are you going to make it new and different? And I think he is going to play a more kind of traditional Spider-Man than we have seen before, where he was kind of like Iron Boy Junior, <laughs> um, which is exciting. Uh, I know you hate that term, <laughs> yeah, but just... look, it, it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> I can't um, hit you from here. It's fine. James is very red. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's yeah. Like I think he will be a more kind of traditional Spider-Man, which is exciting. But um, it'll be interesting to see like what kind of characters they bring in. Mm. Like, will they do like um, a Doctor Octopus in the MCU? Um, who knows? Will they do like a Green Goblin, or are they just going to try and see like find the scraps of the rest of like the Spider-Man kind of Rose Gallery, like Black Cat and um craven the hunter and stuff like that that's another movie they're doing craven so yeah, yeah yeah as i said like i i just think like no way home was such a sweet movie um and we will never i think it's going to be a very long time before we ever have a movie like that again hmm. and we should just fucking just enjoy it man for what it was like again if toby Maguire and andrew garfield keep showing up in the future it's just kind of devalued no way home yeah that's what was so sweet about it yeah when those when they showed up in ned's apartment it was like mm. you know that's the kind of scene you can't write you know after with only except you know you need like 20 years of world building and like mm. movies to do that mm. um so yeah I'm, I'm kind of i'd agree with you i think like you know rebooting these movies and having like a spider-man four and three is just yeah it's just 
I don't want. I don't want to see it. The the only like the charm of a Spider Verse like thing, like whether it be in like the comics or the cartoons, especially in the cartoons, which kind of got me started on on the whole thing, is like like it wasn't like the alternate versions of like the six one six Peter Parker. It was like. It was like like Spider-Man 2099, like Miguel O'Hara and like the, I know he's Peter Parker as well, but the Spider-Man Noir, like the guys you see in like Spider-Verse, like the guys that are like genuinely different, like they, they share the, you know, the spider prefix, but they're like, they're, they're so like different, like they're not the red and blue guy, they're the, well, the other blue and red guy, or <laughs> they're like the, the girl in the, the fucking yeah. spider robot, or they're like depression era spider-man fedora guy um you know those are the ones like i wanted to see mix up with the mainline peter parker and it's just like when it's just like three mainline peter parkers like your box standard spider-man it's like like i feel like we're just kind of not really doing anything kind of new or exciting um you know that's why spider-verse works so well because all of the characters are so different from each other but they share that like you know, maybe the death of like, uh, you know, an uncle or a parent or whatever. They share that like that tra- that source tragedy, and they make something of themselves. Um, but like they're but they're they're their own like individual person at, at like behind it all. They just share that one thing, and they're like kind of spiderish or whatever. Um, I just don't want to see that shit like anymore with No Way Home. It was fine once. It was actually great once. It was really enjoyable, but like no more. I don't. I just don't want to see it. I don't want to see like the Andrew Garfield version of Spider Man again. I don't want to see the Tobey Maguire version of Spider Man. I just I've had like it's fine. It was perfect. It was perfect what they did. No more. Thank you. I'm done. Do you? Th- this is another thing I'd bring up, James. Do you think? Um, do you think like superhero movies? are starting to kind of hop on the trend of like shock value appearances. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of like cameos to make people talk as opposed to like kind of, I suppose, critiquing the movie on the movie that it was. Yeah. It's like, again, I think No Way Home is a good Spider-Man movie and had amazing cameos. But like, you know, we have in the multiverse of madness and there's some pretty crazy cameos that are rumored. I was like, all I really want is just a good Doctor Strange film as opposed yeah. to just like, okay. here's an X-Men character, here's a Fantastic Four character, here's, mm-hmm. you know, an Avenger, here's, you know. Like, do you think these movies are kind of, they're using cameos and like fan favorite characters as kind of like a cop-out for mm-hmm. good storytelling, I suppose? Yeah, to a degree. Um, I don't think it's happened in... Um, to the detriment of the movie or television show, yet in terms of the MCU, I don't think it's hap- I don't think it's ruined anything. Yet. Actually, funnily enough, like the the only MCU movie that I, I actively don't like is the Eternals, and it doesn't really have any of that. I mean, you have Blade at the end of that movie. Look at that! The movie's been out for a while. I don't think I'm spoiling that for anyone. Like Blade and like Black Knight, but really, it's a movie that just like it's just those characters. Really, um, uh, you might disagree with me on that one. But it, I, like, it's setting up other things. But like, it's it's a very much kind of self-contained story. Like, there's mentioned the Avengers and, and shit like that. But it's it's very much doing its own thing. Don't really like that movie. But on on what you're talking about, yeah, there's always this talk online and like, I guess 
the mainstream public might be oblivious to most of it, but it's like, yeah, is the are the X Men going to appear in Multiverse of Madness? Oh, is Kingpin going to be appearing in Hawkeye? Go figure, he did. Um, yeah, fuck it. Like, yeah, you, you're right, and I I agree with you. It's like they're really just advertising movies, and they're 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 drawing buzz based on who's going to be appearing rather than the subject matter, the quality of the story, um, which, I, which I think is not the right way to go about things. I, I think fan service, uh, like for fan service's sake, is just a bad idea. I was, I was listening to an interview with uh, Christopher McQuarrie. It's like a big fucking five hour interview. Um, but he was talking about like, you know, because he's obviously at the helm of the Mission Impossible franchise, not as big as the Marvel movies by any means, but like, you know, it's a pretty big franchise. Um, but like, you know, that 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 franchise goes about um, goes back about 25, 26 years. And, you know, there's fans, there's fans of that series that, that go all the way back to that. And even, you know, when the TV series is going and they, you know, they want um, like maybe Jim Phelps to show up or they want. Jonathan Reese Myers from Mission Impossible 3 to show up. And Christopher McQuarrie just said, like, you know, you're really not going to be impressing anyone pandering to the crowd like that. It's like they just want more and more and more of that stuff. And you're never really going to truly satisfy or please anyone. All you can do is just make the best movie you can and make like a like a really compelling story with compelling characters that you already have and not teasing anything else or this big fucking you know grand plan. Uh, as like your main like selling point it's just like you know and i think like it's become particularly apparent in the mcu movies like the last especially like the last three or four years like like um uh, like it's actually reached like a fever pitch since the spider-man no way home stuff uh has, has been around since 2019 since far from home ended um yeah i just kind of I just kind of had enough, <laughs> you know. I feel like if you're if you're tuned in daily to the on to the goings on within the MCU or the DCEU and what characters are coming in, it will actually have like a negative impact on how you enjoy the movies going forward. Which is why, like, you know, I feel like I really should just kind of stop reading into what's going on because it is kind of like. Um, having an impact on how I feel about the movies as a whole, like all these fucking TikTokers, whatever his name is, Soups, um, the guy who says, let's get it, baby. And all these fucking pricks, like they just annoy the shit out of me. And I'm sure they're decent, nice people, but they're just really annoying. And they don't watch any other movies apart from these ones, which is, oh, fuck me. Like, I guarantee you, if like a Snyder, like one of those Snyder cultist guys, like watched a movie outside the DCEU, like just watch like anything. I'm begging you guys, anything. Like, like you, like a whole new world will open up for you, and you won't give it a crap about who's playing Superman. I swear to God, swear to God, just won't care. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, it's so like. That's why I don't give a shit about the DC movies, really. Like, no matter how bad, like, one of those Batman movies are or one of the Superman movies are, like, there's always going to be, like, a reboot in, like, five years. So it's, like, or two years even. Like, the gap is closing all the time. So it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Sorry, Joe. Come on. I, well, I was just going to point out, and I don't want to put this person on blast, but if they're listening, they definitely know who they are. 
But um, when I went to see No Way Home, one of the many times I saw it, um, a friend that I went with, he all he could talk about was the um, end credit scene. I'm like, oh, I wonder what the end credit scene is going to be. Yeah. And I'm like, you haven't even mentioned like your excitement for the movie itself. And like all he was talking about was cameos. And it's like, I get it. But like, if the end credit scene is all you really care about, and like the cameos are all you really give a shit about, like there's a core problem there, I feel like, you know, where it's like the, I suppose the main focus should be on like the movie itself. I think that having a cinematic universe opens itself up for like interesting world building. Like I always said like, you know, with Daredevil, I was always kind of hoping in that show that like there'd be a moment where you kind of saw like Iron Man just like flying in the background or something like that. That's all you need. Like you don't need a character, like a major character showing up in every single fucking episode, you know, like Moon Knight is coming out soon. Um, Hopefully we get a trailer for um, sooner rather than later. But like that's a movie that like an adventure doesn't need to show up in that movie. Right. Like Daredevil doesn't need to be in that movie. Um, there could be like a news broadcast or something. That's all that it needs to be. Mm. Like as a fan of the Moon Knight character, there's enough story there where you don't need fucking Kingpin showing up or like, I don't know, like a scroll just hanging around. Like you don't need, you don't need that. And I think that there, I think, I think anyways, that they've kind of wisened up to the fan base and they know what gets, you know, the the hashtags and, you know, the... um the YouTube videos and, and discussion videos going. It's like, how does this character tie into this? And is this leading on to the X-Men and stuff like that? Um, and I asked this because I, I saw somewhere where there was like concept art leaked for Doctor Strange that had, let's just say a well-known character who's in a wheelchair. <laughs> and I was just like, that's, that's, a little, that's a little insane. Like, that's a little crazy that like, that's all that's really, you know, that's all that's really going into talking about multiverse of madness i just think you know i just want a cool doctor strange movie i don't know yeah, it's so weird they're bringing stephen hawking into the mcu it's so fucking like weird to me that they, <laughs> that they, like he's dead they're gonna bring him back with cgi yeah um look i mean it's part of the appeal it's part of the appeal of the batman for me where it's just like this clean slate and it's a definitive take on the character which we haven't actually seen before like it's taking elements of like you know, from the comics and from even like the the kind of grounder realism of the Nolan movies, but like it just feels right, you know. It just feel it just it just works, you know. Uh, and I know it's going to be the greatest movie of all time. Um, that that's part of the appeal of it. And it doesn't really, it, and it's its own self-contained thing because that's the way it was pitched, and that's yeah. that's why I love what they're doing over there with it. Because like it doesn't feel like it's only setting up maybe at the end of the at the end of this movie it's it's maybe setting up I mean there's like a, a tease of who the 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 wider villain is or uh, racial ghoul or some shit like that you know possibly and like that's fine like the approach with the Dark Knight trilogy was like um well apparently like Nolan said you know we don't really know if we're gonna make like uh, like a sequel to this like with regards to Batman Begins. So it's just like, oh, we'll just kind of do whatever we want. Like, obviously, there's a tease to the Joker at the end. That could have been just like a fun nod that just kind of threw in there. But obviously, it's a Batman movie. Yeah. And like, they kind of knew they were, they must have known they were doing something like that was pretty magnificent. So it's like, you know, not to blow their own trumpet or anything like that. But it's, you know. um, But yeah, just, just 
treat every movie as like a standalone thing. I miss that. I really do miss that. That's why Iron Man is still one of the great MCU movies, even though it's about um, 14 years old at this stage, which is kind of crazy to say out loud. Um, <laughs> but um, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. That way. yeah. Um, I'm right. So I'm almost 14 anyway. Um, 2008, 2022 now. So yeah. Um, but look, God, sorry, I've I've brought this whole thing up, but that's all I have to say. Just don't be one of those annoying bastards that wants um, Galactus to show up in the Marvels or whatever. Or, you know, just don't make that your entire personality. Watch um, watch some Peter Bogdanovich, who died um, yesterday. I've seen my segue. Uh, he was that a... Was fucking incredible. James. Yes, yes, thank you. Um, who uh, died there yesterday. <laughs> Uh, he was a actor, uh, filmmaker, and film historian, as well as kind of film journalist. Um, did a lot with regards to um, preservation of kind of um, old films. Worked with the likes of like Orson Welles. Interviewed like uh, John Ford, all these guys. Um, directed the last picture show with um, what's her name? Uh, <laughs> what was her name? Taxi driver. Fuck. What was her name? Sybil Shepherd, sorry, uh, Sybil Shepherd and um, yeah. Jeff Bridges, um, and I think he had like an affair with her on set, and he like he, they were like kind of going on for like eight years. So uh, well done, Bogdanovich. Um, uh, he was also in The Sopranos. He was Doctor Melfi's uh, psychiatrist in The Sopranos, um, the psychiatrist psychiatrist. Um, I feel like I'm selling him short. I'm aware that probably a lot of people like don't know his work. Um, but I, I would, uh, I would, I would definitely, um, suggest kind of going down the rabbit hole of Bogdanovich in to see on Bogdanovich. I mean, look, it's, yeah, <laughs> I feel like every week we do like a death notice. Yeah. We have like three, we have like <laughs> three like, this week. Uh, <laughs> it is like a lot of people dying. Um, yeah, look, I mean, What's Up Doc and Paper Moon are both mm. fantastic films. Paper Moon's great. Um, yeah. I'm going to go back. Yeah, I'm going to definitely go back over his filmography and, and catch anything that I've missed. But um, really, I suppose the, the one thing that's kind of been illuminated to me um, these past few days has been, I guess, like the the books that he's written and the work that he's done with um, like silent filmmakers and and. I suppose interviewing them and and uh, that's something that I think I I, just, I really want to read and, and um, hear how you know how he talks to these people. I think you know it's very apparent that he wasn't just a filmmaker; he was like a film obsessed individual. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most filmmakers are, but I, I just think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's you know, as I said, I think What's Up Doc and Paper Moon are fucking great movies. And I'm looking forward to rewatching them. Yeah. So yeah, he will be um, missed. Yeah, I I heard that uh, he had watched uh, by the age of twenty five. By the age of twenty five, I mean we're only uh, I'm twenty two now. How old are you? You're twenty. You're still twenty one, are you? Uh, I'm twenty. You're twenty. Jesus, I fucking forget you're that much younger. Yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. I'm a I'm a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. Um. But yeah. Uh. <laughs> so still kind of taken aback by that. Um. Well, by the age of 25 <laughs> James is taking out his dentures right uh, now. <laughs> by the age of 25 
Uh, Bogdanovich had watched over 5,000 films. 5,000, which is crazy. Like, that's more than some you might think. Like, it's a lot of movies. I think, I think I've seen probably just over a thousand movies. I think I would like it to be more, but I'm just being honest. I think it, it's probably been over a thousand movies. How about you? I, I think I, I don't even know how to like put a number on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess probably the same, but like definitely in some genres a lot more than others yeah um which i guess i'm trying to kind of you know um even up a little bit but yeah i got five thousand movies that's that's quite a feat um not like 25 yeah and like he was like hours would that be let me me do the calculation on that oh jesus Uh, (laughs) i have no idea i mean he was he was like 82 or three uh bogdanovich so I mean, I'd imagine we, unless you're working like video archives or something like that, or you're working in like Hollywood, uh, and I mean he was from a young age, um, like it's very difficult to get your hands on five thousand movies to watch. Uh, I'm just going by my letterbox, like by the ones I've reviewed, so I'm probably missing a few. I'm on like uh, nine four seven, um, but like I like. I'm probably I'm probably missing a nice few. They're just the ones I've reviewed. So, like myself, I've given a raising to. Here's here's an interesting statistic. Okay, sorry to interrupt you, but okay. um, in a year, in one calendar year, there's eight thousand seven hundred and sixty hours. Now, if he said if he's correct in saying that he watched five thousand movies, that's ten thousand hours if they're two hours each. We'll just say as an average. So, by twenty five one of the years of his life he watched or like a year and a bit basically of movies which is a lot of film that's mm-hmm. like that's like definitely like two movies every day yeah. which is normal enough but like that's doing that for like years like but, and, and, that's and, by, and they didn't have netflix back then yeah imagine that imagine that i mean that's by 25 i mean like he lived into his 80s so how many movies had he seen by the end of his life i don't know i don't know if he was keeping track of that probably was Knowing him, not that I know him, but you know, knowing what he's like. Um, but yeah, God, anyway, it's a, a huge loss. Uh, I, I'd recommend people just, yeah, check out the aforementioned by Joe uh, Paper Moon and Last Picture Show and, and, and all those and all those things. Even check out his interviews as well. Sidney Poitier, uh, who died at the age of 94 today, this very day, um, known for In the Heat of the Night. Uh, and its sequel, They Call Me Mr. Tibbs, uh, as well, which maybe not a lot of people have seen. Um, he also did, uh, I guess he was coming to dinner, and he was actually the first uh, African-American guy to win, uh, or the first black guy uh, to win uh, an Oscar, which is kind of uh, like a, an amazing kind of achievement and uh, a real uh, trendsetter, trailblazer in the industry um very like incredibly influential um actor and even a filmmaker he directed like uh, stir crazy as well with um gene kelly or gene kelly uh gene wilder and uh richard pryor um and yeah just like one of the most 
acclaimed actors ever. Uh, Joe, let's say about uh, Sidney Poitier. You know, strangely, the first thing that came to mind was um, Quentin Tarantino was on, uh, he was on some talk show or something, and he was talking about when he was making Django Unchained, he was really like, he was kind of worried about like making a movie about slavery and like hiring people and like putting them like on a cotton field. And he he spoke to Sydney about it. And Sydney basically told him to like grow a pair of balls and like man up and make your movie. And like, don't be afraid of your movie. And for mm. some strange reason that always just, that always just stuck with me. Um, yeah. I think it, I think there's like a lot of wisdom in that. And um, he was also, I think in like, he was in a great film called uh, The Book and the Preacher, or Book yeah. and the Preacher, I think it was called. Yeah. It's a great Western. Um, yeah. Apart from that, yeah, it's, um, I think, and, and I, I know Tarantino, again, my knowledge of him kind of came from Tarantino speaking about him. Uh, but, you know, he, he was like kind of like a father figure to him. And, and um, I, I think having someone like that in Hollywood must be <laughs> really nice and, you know, um, yeah, it's just, again, it's when something like this happens, when someone dies like this, who has such a large body of work, it is kind of nice to look back on their mm. uh, filmography and just see like, oh, wow, like this person was huge. And as you said, like, it's, it's a sad thing to say that like he was the first black person to win um, an, uh, the Best Actor Awards, mm. which many years in the making, but yeah, it's, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, like, I'm conscious that a lot of people uh, our age or thereabouts probably haven't, maybe maybe they haven't even seen a, a Sidney Poitier movie that he directed in or starred in or anything like that. I uh, think uh, now is appropriate a time as any to, to check one out. Um, just a great actor. Um, but yeah, may you rest in peace. Um, sure, we'll head on to reviews anyway. Um, We'll start, I'll start with the protege anyway. Um, uh, Maggie Q plays a uh, Vietnamese assassin, assassin who was rescued by uh, an older assassin called Moody, who's played by Samuel L. Jackson. So Moody's killed pretty early on in the movie. It's not a spoiler to say. And um, everyone that Maggie Q knows, her, her character's name is Anna, by the way, everyone that she knows, they're like fucking killed as well. So she's on the run. Uh, from uh, some rich and powerful guy, and his like head of security is Michael Keaton. And there's like there's a there's kind of a romance going on between Maggie Q, who's like early forties, and Michael Keaton, who's seventy. And you know, madness ensues. Uh, we'll play a clip. <laughs> see, you kind of see what I mean. Thank you, Ben. No mayor. Cheers. Someone killed a friend of mine because of a contract he completed years ago. And anyone I ask about it ends up dead. Why is that? Well, I don't know. Some people might take that as a sign. Why don't you just consider it a mystery best left unsolved? But I like mysteries. When I started this, I was curious. And then I went from curious to concerned. And now? I'm testy. And trust me, you don't want to know me when I'm testy. HK 9mm. Very good. Not where I'm sitting. Who's paying for the orphan kid? I'd like to talk to whoever that is. 
That would be unwise. Unwise is killing a man who was a second father to me. We are way past unwise. So, hmm, protege. It's an Amazon original over here. Came on cinemas in like the US and everywhere else, I think, a um, few months ago, because uh, I've kind of been aware of it for a while. First things first, this is directed by Martin Campbell, who is a director who's probably the most hidden miss director of the 21st century. He directed Casino Royale and Goldeneye, some of the best Bond movies ever. Uh, but he also is the guy who directed Green Lantern. Um, need I say more? Um, so there is a few action scenes that, like, there's a few action sequences that really, really um, elevate this movie into something like you know it could be like a one star movie, but it's a two star movie because like some like really innovative like action sequences. Uh, fight choreography like overall is like this movie's saving grace. Uh, and the way that these scenes are shot, like say what you about Campbell, he knows how to shoot action, and it's it's really well done here. Everything else is fucking abysmal, right? So Maggie Q, who like I've liked in other things, like she's okay. I've watched a few episodes of like Nikita, which is fine, kind of a CW show. Also, CW is kind of gone too. They're going to sell that, which is great. Did you hear about that show? They're going to sell the CW. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Warner Brothers are going to sell that. They're going to. Get rid of it, um, but anyway, look, I'm, I'm going really? on probably, yeah, yeah, they're they're, they're Wait, get rid of it. Hmm? that's but sure, aren't they like they haven't made a profit or something since like 2006? Yeah, and do, do I read know, that like ages ago, yeah, but do you know when do you know when the CW was founded or when it was established? No, 2006, meaning it's never actually been profitable any year, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is like hilarious. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there you go. That's the CW. So hopefully, like that puts an end to all like the Arrowverse stuff and like Riverdale. I just love if that happened. That'd be amazing. Um, but yeah, on like okay. So sorry, going on top of there, Maggie Q was in a um show called Nikita. Do you know what the Q stands for, Maggie Q? By the way, uh, uh, Quincy. Quincy, you're not far off, Quigley. Although Margaret Quigley sounds like an old woman that you just kind of know. You know, that's her name, Margaret Quigley. Just sounds like a kind of an old woman's name. It, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't put bones on seats. Um, but anyway, sorry, I'm really getting off topic here. Maggie Q, right. She's not great in the movie, honestly. I think in the fight scene, she really commits, though. I think she's really good at all that. And she obviously she has experience. Um Michael Keaton's fine. He does his best. But um He's, he's not great the whole romance thing and like you know there's some there's some pretty there's some pretty uh uh passionate scenes exchanged between um maggie q and michael keaton that's all i'll say um they may or may not uh you know pork um but i don't know i, I just wasn't really into it as you can imagine and I don't know. I just I just thought that like I they don't really address like the age gap between them, and I feel like that's uh, a product of them not really having a person in mind for this, or maybe the person they had in mind couldn't do it, and Michael Keaton was just free, so they got him to do it. I don't know. It's it's very weird. Like there's like a thirty year age gap between them, 
it just feels like it's like it's not addressed at all. It's, it's it, I don't know, it just doesn't really feel right to me. Um, Samuel Jackson's is kind of fine, he's using his kind of his shtick. Um, it's kind of it, it's quite similar to he's he's kind of a bit nicer than his character in The Hitman's Bodyguard, which is an even worse movie, but um, there you go. Um, just lackluster, um, an absolute misfire of a movie, and it's getting actually pretty okay kind of reviews. Um, you know, it's kind of getting seven out of tens, B pluses, and B minuses, and stuff like that. I, I don't think that's warranted at all. This is a this is a two out of five movie if I ever did see one, and the only reason it's a two out of five is because the the the, the fight choreography and the action scenes are actually pretty okay, uh, given the limitations, the budget isn't huge. Um, the budget probably went to the actors and the, and the director uh, mostly. Um, so yeah, um, don't go see it. Uh, but if you want some kind of mindless and, you know, and I hate kind of these, oh, you know, this kind of, ma- this mentality of like, you know, oh, uh, to turn your brain off popcorn movie. I fucking hate all that shit, you know? But if that's what you want, uh, the protege is for you. It's on Amazon Prime Video for a person to view. There you go. Sorry, Joe. Did I Thanks. sell that movie um, to you too well? Well, I was going to ask the question. If someone came to you and was like, okay, I've got two Blu-rays. One is The Protégé and the other is The Wrath of Man. Which oh. one should I watch first? What would you say? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, The Protégé, because I genuinely despise oh, okay. I despise Wrath of Man. See, Wrath of Man's a one-star movie for me. <laughs> and The Protégé, it's just kind of eh, meh, eh, whatever. It's just like it's just kind of it's not even fine it's just meh it's like it's like the it's like if someone yeah. ad- adapted if, so, if someone ap- adapted like a movie that was genetically engineered for the viewer to shrug their shoulders at the protege would be it but if they wanted the viewer to like actively vomit their guts out and like hate cinema for the rest of their life wrath of man is like the movie uh, that they would create it's awful i hate it so much but answer your question. The protege. Yes, I would choose the protege. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, have you rewatched it since? The Wrath of Man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I watched it. I watched it with uh, my family, and I still love it. <laughs> I still think it's a great film. Like, oh my god! Again, <laughs> man, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Look at. You know what? Fuck it. We're not going to get into it. But yeah. um. I've been kind of going back over like Jason Statham's movies. Like I watched the first two Crank movies. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, these are really good. Like, <laughs> I'm like having a, a Jason Statham awakening right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. He's, um, I, yeah have... I think you should see Wrath of Man. Oh, I can't do it. I can't. Yeah. I, I couldn't do it again. Have you seen Hummingbird? I haven't. No. No, I hear that's kind of okay. Um, I'm curious to check it out. I think it's on probably one of the streaming services. Um, Sorry, the the lost <laughs> fuck, the lost daughter uh, <laughs> is not a comedy, uh, but it is a movie directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, and it's about a college professor who confronts her unsettling past after meeting a woman and her young daughter while on vacation in Italy. Her obsession with the woman and her daughter prompts memories of her early motherhood. So she's not calming down. Yeah. It's been a weird day. We found her and then she lost her doll. I used to have a doll like that. 
called Mina. Mina? Mina. Or Minnie Mama, as my mother called her. You'll find it. Um, this was released uh, on Netflix uh, and it was also playing um, in a few cinemas here in Ireland it was playing in the palace but I, I, I didn't catch it um, I fucking love this movie I think this movie is full of so many like mesmerising performances and especially seeing as this is like a directorial debut I, I thought there was such a confidence um, in the direction and I suppose uh like I just loved. First of all, this movie hasn't my favorite aspect ratio of any movie. Just it's just a random thing out there. I, I, I fucking love it. Um, I also think the movie is shot beautifully. I think, and again, it's 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 in Italy, so it's like well duh. But um, what kind of spoke to me about this movie, James? And I'll be interested to see what your take on it is. Um, it's incredibly uncomfortable. Like you're watching interactions between people, and it's like borderline it's not so much cringe as it is like you kind of hope someone doesn't say something um unnecessary and olivia coleman's character she's she's this very intelligent kind of college professor but she's highly unpredictable in certain situations and i think you know behind her eyes and i think this is why her performance is so great you can clearly tell that there's a very kind of troubled history there and you know, that's done by kind of, um, I guess, some strange decisions that she does with this family. Um, I forget the family's name, but uh, basically they're at this resort and at the resort, there's this big family that's there and they're celebrating something. They're rented a villa and in that villa, uh, Dakota Johnson uh, plays a mother with the child and uh, some of the interactions and uh, situations that happen uh, prompt kind of interesting responses from Olivia Coleman's character um, and the entire movie as well is um, you know it goes back in time to when Olivia Coleman was again I, I don't want to get into spoilers but when she was younger and she was a mother um, played by Jess Buckley who's a fucking fantastic actress um, and she also gives an incredible performance in this film um, yeah, what, what did you think about it, James? Because I know you're kind of indifferent about the film. You didn't... Uh, I I wouldn't say I don't... I'm totally indifferent. Uh, I'm just mostly indifferent. No, I'm um, uh, it, It's fine. It's okay. Um, it, it's, not, it's not bad at all. Um, I will say that I think that Olivia Coleman will... I think she'll get an Oscar nom uh, uh, for The Lost Daughter. Um, you know, and I really like the 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 approach that Maggie Gyllenhaal took to this movie, um, the kind of naturalistic. It's kind of like, um, uh, it reminds me of kind of Terrence Malick in a way. Um, kind of like I know a lot of his um, recent stuff hasn't really uh, hit home with the critics, but I think this is kind of like um, a bit of that mixed in with um, some kind of 
like the work kind of like Hoyt van Hoytema or something like that. You know, I think it's I think it's really like some of the best cinematography of the year. I would say, um, probably will get a nomination. I wouldn't be surprised if it did. Um, and having and by extension, I, I do think that Jill Hall might actually get a, a, a nomination for herself in the best director category. Um, outside of all of the awards buzz, yeah, look, it's a great it's a great movie, and I think that. There's some fine performances, nothing mind blowing, even with with Olivia Colman. I don't think she's like you know, um, like it's not like the best thing since sliced bread. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I have a hard, I have a hard time trying to decipher exactly what this movie is trying to say, and I don't, and, and that isn't really a criticism. The more I think about it. I'm just kind of wrestling with myself as to what the film as a whole means, not just the ending, but what what the what the moral of the story is. What what is it really trying to say about being a mother? What's it saying about children? Um, I'm just kind of I'm, I've been thinking about it lately. It's 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 the one it's the one thing that's kind of stuck with me since I've seen the film a few days ago. Um. And I don't know, I, I, and and this is kind of going to sound maybe kind of comical, like I'm taking the piss, but what I, what I feel like the movie's trying to say is, it's like don't have children if you're kind of unhinged. I don't know, you're kind of you're gonna kind of <laughs> fuck up your own life and everyone around you, because like Olivia Coleman is a proper crazy lady in this movie, and it's kind of enjoyable but very uncomfortable. There's a move, there's a a scene in this movie. They're very, very much spoke, spoke to me, but like you know, outside of that, the movie just didn't. It's kind of like it's kind of like Joker for your for your mother, not Joe's mother, but like for everyone's mother. Uh, like, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like that, um, you know. Um, that's kind of what it is. Um, that's brilliant. You just yeah, see Olivia Coleman just like yeah. put on the Joker makeup. Yeah. Is it me or is everyone getting crazier out there? It's like that was her moment. There was like a moment in the <laughs> cinema. And yeah, it kind of it kind of spoke to me. I haven't had that bad of an experience in the cinema for as long as I've been going. Um but yeah, look, it yeah, she's great in the movie. Not mind-blowing, but great. Uh I don't know. I don't I don't think Paul Meskel is the best actor in the world. I haven't seen normal people, so you know I'm probably not the most well informed here. I I don't rate him at all. I know what he's doing is very like not to pardon the pun. He's a normal person in this movie who happens to be uh, punching well above his weight, but that's I'll just park that there. Um, but like you know, I just I just don't think he is though. You know. He has like an affair with Dakota Johnson in this movie, and it's like, what? He's like this big fucking guy head, like as if she'd even look twice at him. Doesn't make any uh, sense. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Um. I I actually think his casting in this film is like one of the strengths of this movie. In that, like everybody in this film is perfectly cast. Like, again, you're right. His his performance isn't groundbreaking or just like yeah. amazing, but it's it serves its purpose, you know, mm. as an exchange student who's just, yeah, he's kind of entangled in a weird kind of affair. But um, yeah, while you were saying that there, I was kind of thinking like, you know, I think 
<laughs> what's kind of funny about this movie is nothing really happens like it's yeah. just about a woman who goes to a resort and but yeah. what's so great about the movie is the overall tone and the anxiety that that kind of induces which is like a real feat i think like i think creating an like a tone and an atmosphere like that and having situations that aren't like world ending is really difficult to do and i think that you know Maggie Gyllenhaal, I think she did a fucking fantastic job in just like creating this very kind of, again, like there's, you know, there's scenes where characters are talking and there's there's one really, really fantastic scene. Um, it takes place in a shop, like a toy shop. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's like, it's so fucking tense. And, you know, and again, it's, if you were to take like the movie and like the, the kind of handheld to camera way and just, if you were just to stand there, it would just be like a regular conversation, but the way it's shot, it's just, you know, you almost kind of forget to breathe. Um, I think this movie is fantastic. I'd give it a easy, a four out of five. Okay. Um, what about you, James? I'm on a three, three out of five. Um, I don't think it's, that's not bad. It's, yeah. You know. it, it's just kind of fine. You know, I, I, uh, I'm not like, I mean, you're right in what you said uh, at the start. Like, it was like, I don't really care about it. Like, um, I don't think it's best picture material necessarily. I think it'll win in other categories. Like, it'll get definitely get nominated in other categories. Um, I think Livia Coleman, I think, is is definitely a safe bet for a nom- you know, a nomination. Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal, potentially, cinematography-wise, yeah, sure. Um, I, I just, you know, if I had my way, uh, realistic, and I've, I'm talking realistically. I think that there's just better movies um, out there that deserve to be on that best picture shortlist. Um, you know, uh, like come on, come on. I don't even know. If come on, come on. Get like a nomination. Like Mike Mills movies have gotten awards buzz. Like Beginners. I mean, it won Christopher Plummer his Oscar. Um, so it's it, it's entirely it's entirely possible. Um, you know. I hate some of the criticisms to come on, come on. Well, like I a lot of them are very similar where it's like, oh, as soon as um what do you what do you know, you know, the kid, as soon as he's not on screen, the movie completely dips. And really? I, I I could not disagree more. I think um Joaquin Phoenix and the whole situation with the husband and the sister is so it's so interesting. But yeah. anyways, uh, this this isn't a come on come on review. <laughs> oh damn! I wish. <laughs> oh damn! Oh man, yeah. that, that, that's that's unfortunate. To be honest with you, um, and it's unusual because I it's my favorite movie. Well, spoilers for the next episode. It's my favorite movie of the year. Um, yeah, that's that's unfortunate. Uh, I'm kind of glad in a way. I think I would be equally infuriated by by something like that if I did read it. Uh, but I'm glad it's doing really well. Um, otherwise, it's yeah, it's a fucking cracking movie. Um, but anyway, that's that's the lost daughter. Go check it out if it sounds interesting. It, it's an interesting movie, I would say. It's just it didn't do everything for me, and it was a movie I was kind of looking forward to. Um, you know, because like just I thought that trailer was actually like exceptional. I thought that first trailer, I think there was only one trailer, was, was like really really good. Um, because I like yeah. it, it builds like the intrigue of the of, of the movie perfectly. Uh, but I didn't have a fucking clue what it was about or what was go- it was going to end up like. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's that's. This the- is like this is the kind of shit that Netflix needs to do. Mm. You know, like 
I, and again, like I know as a studio, you can't make hits time after time after time. Mm. But like interesting, and I, I don't even think Netflix made this movie. I think they just, they're just a distributor, I believe. Yeah. Um, but these are the kinds of movies I want to see show up on Netflix. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a three, you're a four on, on the lost daughter. So, so go check it out. It's on Netflix. You probably have Netflix viewer, viewer, listener. Uh, so, uh, Joe, do you want to talk about the matrix resurrections? Sure. <laughs> um, so the Matrix, the Matrix Resurrections, uh, return to a world of two realities: one, everyday life; the other, what lies behind it. To find out if his reality is a construct, to know himself, Mister Anderson will have to choose to follow the White Rabbit once more. Um, if you don't know anything about Matrix, you probably don't know what the fuck I was just saying. <laughs> that was a summary of the movie. Uh, pretty, pretty bad summary. It's a fourth Matrix film. Where are we? Tokyo. A moving portal makes it harder to track us. Seek is the best of them. Portal's clean. Reading our shadows. I don't remember this. We don't have to run to phone booths anymore either. Doors on your right. Set and setting, right? Oh, no. It's all about set and setting. After our first contact went so badly, we thought elements from your past might help ease you into the present. Nothing comforts anxiety like a little nostalgia. Now, uh, I think the first Matrix movie is a phenomenal film, and I think that, that there are some really interesting elements in Matrix 2 and 3, um, but I just think they're a little bit too... Uh, a little bit too bizarre and a little bit uh, too underwhelming. And I think it's kind of a testament to how good the first Matrix film was. Um, Matrix Resurrections, I think, is a fine movie. Uh, it was kind of underwhelming. And I think a part of that has to do with the title being called Matrix. And I think, you know, the first movie, it was so groundbreaking that you can never really regret, regain um, that level of amazement. And I think that technology and cinema has kind of caught up to a point where the matrix action, and this is really sad to say, but I think like, you know, the typical like movements and like Kung Fu kind of um, the kind of Kung Fu style of the matrix, it seems very um, outdated and kind of, um, I hate to say it, but like cheesy. So the one good thing about this movie I suppose is there are a few standouts and they are some of the new characters like Jessica Henwick who plays a character called Bugs. She's the tra- she's the character in the trailer with the blue hair um, and she's really great in the movie. Um, in fact, she's someone who like, I feel like she's going to have like kind of a, how would I put it? Kind of like a reconnaissance of herself kind of mm-hmm. in the next few years. She's going to be in the next uh, Knives Out movie, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, Jonathan Groff, who I really like, 
Uh, you know, James, I'm a big Glee fan. Uh, he's great as kind of a. <laughs> don't laugh. I thought you were going to say mind. I thought you were going to say mind hunter fan. I was like, yeah, and I was like Glee fan. Yeah, I know I am. He's great in mind hunter. Yeah. Um, again, I don't know if I can really say who he's playing in this movie, but all I say is he is kind of a rebranded version of a very well-known character in the Matrix, and he is. It's it's crazy what he does with his voice in this movie um, and how he's kind of similar to that character. It's just really good acting. Um, and then Neil Patrick Harris, which was kind of crazy. He's fucking great in this movie. Uh, he plays a character called The Analyst and he's fucking fantastic in the film. Uh, really interesting. Overall, I'd say, like, if you're a fan of The Matrix, it's worth seeing. Um, it's definitely better than the two sequels. But... Yeah, don't don't expect something as groundbreaking. Like I went into this movie thinking, like, oh, with the technology that's available now, it'll be something just amazing. Um, and it didn't really live up to that. But if you care about the core relationship between Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss, it delivers in that regard. Um, it's just not as I don't know, like it's not a powerhouse of an action film that I was expecting, but that's okay. Um, and so I'd probably give the movie like a three out of five. It was just kind of underwhelming for me. Okay. But um yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Um well I mean I won't be able to see this for like another week, week and a half. But you know, I will set expectations accordingly, which is probably to have no expectations. Uh but um yeah sure we'll see how it goes. Uh I, I feel very similar to you uh regarding uh, the Matrix uh, Revolutions and the Matrix Reloaded other way around um, yeah some good things but overall kind of mixed bags of, of movies and and the other one's pretty much kind of a masterpiece I guess uh, you could call you could call it um, but yeah um, Matrix Resurrections since cinemas now and for our American and Canadian brethren um it's on HBO Max as well. So there you go. What I'm also being told as well from someone who works in a cinema, um, nobody is seeing this movie. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why it just didn't click. No one is seeing this movie. Like, it's oh, really? pretty badly here. Oh, um, now that's Ireland, which isn't a huge market, but I just find it interesting. And I think it kind of, I think it kind of plays into, I think this movie was made 10 years too late. Hmm. Um, uh, and I think that's a huge part behind it. And and I know there was a report that came out recently that said if both the Wachowskis didn't want to do it, they still would have went ahead and, and made a, a fourth Matrix. Um, so it was inevitable, but yeah, again, kind of underwhelming, kind of a disappointment. But again, three out of five, so it's not a terrible movie. Yeah. Well, uh, no chance of a Matrix 5 probably then, I guess. Probably never. Uh, no, there'll probably be a Matrix 5. You think uh, so? It'll okay. be, yeah, Matrix 5, the metaverse or something. I don't know. <laughs> did you see, what call it. Did you yeah. see that um that uh, showcase that they had? It was like a, a tech demo with Carrie Ann Moss and Keanu Reeves. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was, that was pretty was. fucking crazy, wasn't it? It was like GTA, but real. Like, yeah. It, the textures and we're just like mm. again when i say textures like the actual look of like 
the cars and everything. It was so real. It was kind of crazy. Mm. Um, it's, but it's not a real game, though. Is it? It's not like a, no. It, it's just kind of like I mean, it's a tech demo. You can kind. Of, I think you can download on like the next gen consoles and on your PC and stuff. Um, as far as I know, um, it's kind of extremely linear sort of game. I like can't even call it a game. It's just a demo, really. Um, but it's just showing the capabilities of this new this new game engine. But like, uh, I don't want to get too much into it because I realize pretty quickly I'll, I'll be out of my depth talking about things like this. But um, I I think that like something like the Matrix, an IP like the Matrix, would be a perfect um perfect uh, entry point into bridging the gap truly bridging the gap between cinema and like video games uh just just you know yeah, given it it's it's um it's subject um because like you know we're we're not far off video games just reaching a point of of you know realism just judging by that tech demo um and you you have like these prestige like cinematic games like The Last of Us, The Last of Us Two, and uh, Red Dead Redemption Two to a certain degree, um, Uncharted, all those fucking games. Um, and you know, uh, I think I think we're very close to that as a civilization. I think we're very close to that. So um, yeah, that's kind of all I kind of wanted. This I mean, again. as long as we're not enslaved by robots and stuck yeah. into like weird gooey. Yeah. Tubes, I, I'll be, I'll be happy. But maybe Mark Zuckerberg has other plans. Oh, I'm sure, um, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, the last thing to to do is is the tragedy of Macbeth, uh, which you have also seen. Yeah. You've had the pleasure of seeing. Fucking wish I could see this movie. But anyway. Um. Yeah, I was lucky enough to see this in the cinema. Um. So I was very, I was actually delighted with myself to see it because yeah. it is a fucking gorgeous movie. Um, you know, it, well, I suppose I should describe what the, the story is if you don't know what Macbeth is about. Um, a Scottish lord becomes convinced by a trio of witches that he will become the next king of Scotland, and his ambitious wife supports him in his plans of seizing power. Um, this movie was, um, it was surprisingly Shakespeare like. I thought it would be very different and obscure just with, you know, Ethan or sorry, Joel Cohen directing it. Um, but it's very traditional. Like it's it's the dialogue is old English, which I think will be a big problem with, for some people. This is an unbelievably shot film. Like it looks like a stage play, which is kind of strange to say. Like the sets are very, they're kind of very void of like um, set design and like uh, props, um, which is interesting to say because there's so much emphasis put on the actors. And as I said, it's it is written in old English, so it is that kind of you know. Um, that Shakespearean kind of dialogue, which hearing it from the likes of, you know, Denzel Washington um, and Francis, Mac- Francis McDormand um, is really interesting and, and really, in, you know, fucking, I, I thought fantastic. Um, the story is kind of, I suppose, without giving away Macbeth, if anyone here doesn't know the story about it, um, it is fucking incredible. Like, I think Francis McDormand is like, perfect for Lady Macbeth. Like I think about people who play that role. Um she is like the perfect person for us. Um obviously she's kind of manipulative and kind of I suppose she is kind of like the driving force behind herself and uh Macbeth, the titular character. 
Um, I wanted to give a shout out as well to some of the rest of the cast um, who are also fantastic. Uh, Brendan Gleeson, who plays Duncan. Uh, Corey Hawkins, who plays Macduff, um, are all both fantastic. Um, there's also like, and again, I, I know some people were saying that this was like a woke Macbeth, which I just think is fucking madness. It's like if they're incredible actors, they're incredible actors. Um, and I think, you know, for me, anyways, like this, this is the best rendition of Macbeth. I, I, I don't know about yourself, James, but I had to do Macbeth in the Leaving Cert, mm. and so I had to like comb over every fucking, you know, act of the of the play. And so I know the material quite well, but it's, it was. I wish I kind of had this movie when I was doing the Leaving Cert mm. because it is such a proper retelling. And I think Joel Cohen's he he crafts a really intense kind of art house kind of atmosphere in the movie. Um, it's a real joy to watch. Um, it's very A24 like in that, you know, obviously it's black and white. A24 um, vibes. You know, the kind of the box aspect ratio. A24 vibes, literally. Um, that's the best way, without even joking, it's the best way to describe the movie. Yeah. Uh, pure A24 vibes. Yeah. But uh, the performances are just fucking, you know, they're captivating. Moses Ingram, who plays Lady Macduff as well, she's fantastic. Hmm. Um, the witches are quite a vibe. Um, you've you've read Macbeth, haven't you? I have, yeah. I, I my experience with uh, we did a uh, for some reason in primary school, like uh, not even in sixth class, but we were in maybe third or fourth class. We were doing Macbeth as a play. We had to we were going to perform it, and it got like kind of cancelled like two weeks before it was going to go out. So I was Macduff. I had learned all my lines, and I was I've forgotten them now, obviously, but like you know. Uh, you know that that it goes back that far, and then I was doing it for Leaving Cert as well, actually. Uh, Macbeth, so yeah, yeah. I, again, I think this movie is phenomenal. I think it's one of the best crafted films, and I think just one of the best performed films I've seen of 2021. Um, mm. it, it, I mean, it, I was kind of thinking back over like some of the Coen Brothers films, and obviously, uh, Ethan Coen, you know, he doesn't he didn't write or direct this movie. But I can't help but feel like he would have, you know, obviously seen some early cuts of the film and would have mm. put in some amount of like feedback to it. But um, yeah, I'm kind of excited to see like where Joel kind of goes from here um, and like what he decides to do next. Because I think that there was a real kind of creepy atmosphere. And I don't know, I you know me, I'm like the horror guy, but like um, I, I think him doing like a full-blown like horror movie would be fucking great. And especially doing it in this kind of style. And maybe it's so stylized because it's a Shakespearean film. Maybe that's why he wanted to go that route. But if he decides to do movies like these, kind of the lighthouse-esque kind of films, um, I'd love to see what he does next. Um, again, he's one of the Coen brothers, so you can guarantee it's going to be fucking amazing. Uh, I'd give this movie a 4.5 out of 5. Uh, that's my rating of the film. I think it's definitely worth seeing. I don't know if it's in... Uh, cinemas now here in Ireland um, in America I'm not sure what the story is but it's going to be available on Apple the 14th I believe yeah that's um, correct yeah. so it is an Apple Plus um, movie mm-hmm. uh, so it will be available then yeah cool can't wait to see that one uh, I've actually been watching like a lot of Denzel Washington movies lately uh, watched Crimson Tide you ever watched Crimson Tide? yeah of course yeah fucking Oh, cracking movie. Gene Hackman and Denzel Washington. 
going at it. Just like, well, there is some, I mean, Hackman like slaps him a few times, but it's like, it's just acting powerhouse all around. Like Tony Scott at the height of his powers, RAP, just fucking great filmmaker. And then like um, Tarantino did like a pass on that screenplay as well. Uh, I don't know. If, is that like a, it's kind of like a trivial thing. I don't know. You probably knew Joe, but um, yeah. That's a fucking great movie. It's on Disney Plus if you if you have that. So um yeah, can't wait for Macbeth. I'm a real fan of the, the Justin Kurtzel one. Although I've only seen it once. Uh, I'll have to revisit it. I have it behind me. Um but I thought that was a really uh that's, that's the Michael Fassbender one, is it? Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Marion Cotillard yeah. and um Sean Harris as well uh plays Macduff, which is fucking it's as good as it sounds. It's fucking epic. It's just great. Um, yeah, that's great. They're really, really good. Um, I mean, it would do well to exceed that, you know. Like obviously it's the Coen brothers, um, but you know, that that's probably Justin Kurtzel's best movie. Um, but look, we'll I'll have to I'll have to see. Have you seen have you seen that one? Have you? Yeah, yeah. It's a fucking gorgeous film. Yeah. I mean, it's like um there's a great video essay done on it's on YouTube. It's about the movie, and uh, they kind of talk about like how every frame of that movie you could like you could put it up as a poster. It's just that gorgeous. But um, yeah, this movie it's 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 not as um like visually striking. Obviously, it's black and white, and you know the sets are very kind of I, I guess you could call them almost like brutalist architecture. It's like very kind of like straight and kind of to the point again it's like it's like somebody took a stage play and just made it like real if that makes sense yeah Um, but i do think you know again i think the old english will kind of be an issue for some people if that's just not something you're into um it's something i'm kind of again i've read Macbeth, so it's not Hmm. you know i don't know about you but you know in the leaving story you kind of have to go over every single paragraph and like yeah understand the meaning of it um which was a lot of fun um so yeah definitely worth a watch it's i mean it's such an interesting way of speaking because like you think about the actors that were the original um bearers of that text and you know most of them were like actually illiterate so like it's it's kind of like it's that way for reasons it's kind of this it has this kind of rhythmic quality to it because it was kind of learnt off by heart rather than read and studied, um, which is just kind of mind blowing, <laughs> um, you know, but um, that's just kind of the reason why it is that way, you know, um, people kind of back then kind of spoke like not, I mean, it wasn't that much more alien than the way we speak now, I guess, but yeah. Macbeth, can't wait for that. Um, that's the end of the reviews. That's the end of the show. I well, thank Mr. Hines for joining me on yet another escapade into the world of Sydney. Thank you, Joe, for joining me. Thanks for having me, James. Always a pleasure. Lovely. Um, that's it. Um, I'm gonna watch some fucking succession because it's the best thing since sliced bread. It's so good. Um, it's so good that uh, I'm beginning to talk like Kendall Roy. Um, I have severe daddy issues. Uh, 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 fuck off, Shiv. <laughs> fuck off, Shiv. Um, 
Yeah. How, how far are you into um, Succession? I only got to the first season. I, I'm still yet to watch the oh, yeah. season two. So I'm, I'm finishing season. Uh, uh, what? I'm finishing season two tonight. I have one more episode to, to go okay. and then I'm on to season three. Um, but yeah, that now TV app is the absolute pits. It's so bad. Like, honestly, the first few episodes, yeah. like up to probably like, um, what is today? Wednesday. Like the app was just buggy as hell. Um, it was just, it wasn't going past like 480p. I had to like stop watching and just kind of sorted itself out. It wasn't my internet because I'm watching Netflix fine and Ultra HD and it's all dandy. So, um, yeah, yeah, gonna watch, gonna watch some more Succession, which is some of the worst people in the world, but I kind of love them. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's a goodbye for me. It's goodbye from Joe. We'll see you later with more movies next week. And we'll have a, we'll have a 2021 review special for you tomorrow or the day after or something. Like that. Anyway, see ya. Bye. 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 Bye.